I'm talking about you need to give it up for Jesus. And that's the title of my sermon. You need to give it all up for Jesus. Just when we see those Grammy Awards, Grammy Awards and stuff, let's give it up for, say, oh, yeah, everyone's, give it up. Give it up, give it up for them. Well, I know this. Back in 82, I gave it all up for Jesus. I gave it all up for him, man. And I'm going to drop that in the middle of my message and I'll tell you of some things that I changed in my life. Because this ain't religion. It's not something we tacked on our life. It's something that we gave our whole life to. We bowed our knee to Jesus. We bowed our knee and said, Jesus, you are Lord. Everything I have, everything I am, all my family, as for me and my family, we serve the Lord. That's a scripture in Joshua. As for me and my, as for me and my house, my home, my children, we serve the Lord. I want to tease that out. And I've got this sermon from one scripture that I will just um, get to very shortly. So you can write this down. Get your Bibles out. I'm going to ask you to, to have your Bibles handy because I'm going to run through some stuff and, uh, and then I'm going to come to a cruncher. I hope you're all right with that, that I come to a conclusion which will really jolt you. Who wants to be jolted? Who wants to be pat and stroked like a cat? It's all right. God loves you. Bound for heaven. It's all good. There's no hell. It's all right. You're going to heaven anyway. But I, I just got something a little bit more than that this morning. And it's from my heart. And it comes from one scripture I got uh, this week. The message is called, Give It Up For Jesus. Let's give it up for the people listening on podcasts. Let's give it up for them. And uh, yeah, all over the world, people are listening to our messages. And uh, C3 is alive today with the experience of being in partnership with... Um, India, and Garth, you were there la- uh, uh, last week? Yeah. You, you over your jet lag, buddy? You, you're sort of there? And, uh, and, um, and so apparently it's the first time in many, many years Pastor Phil Pringle slept in to 8 o'clock. He usually gets up about 5, 5 o'clock, but he's been running the gauntlet around the globe and uh, India, Hong Kong, uh, but, but Singapore. And uh, apparently he slept in and, and Chris Pringle had to check his pulse by 8 o'clock. Just make sure our boss was okay. And uh, apparently he was all good. He just, just caught up with him. He's, you know, he's a young man. He's fighting fit. He, he, he's doing well. But, you know, traveling does take it out of you. Who knows that? Let's give it up for Jesus right now. And uh, let's believe right now that God's filling this place with, um, an, uh, I mean, this, this, this spirit of revelation just to help us with this. So I want you to follow me for, for a minute. Here we go. Let's go. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 4. We're in the last round of the ten. You've got to, got to, you just got to keep up to me. I can't stop. you just got to keep up. Matthew chapter 4. I'm just going to paraphrase a couple of things. In the last round of the temptation, Satan offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Do you remember that? Matthew 4, 8. I think we got that. We can have that on the screen. Again, the devil took him. So he's tempted him once. He's tempted him again. And I think Jesus says, man will not live by bread alone. He can't, we shouldn't test God because Satan said to him, turn that, you know, Turn those rocks into bread. And Jesus said, no, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't test God. Man shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Who believes in that? Every word. So I got a word this week. And, and I literally, on the Twitter, I glanced this scripture. I glanced it 
and I nearly retweeted it, meaning I took that and I copied it to my tweet, and, and, and I didn't, I let it go, but it stayed with me. Who knows the word is powerful? I mean, you take it in, and it lives in you, and it, and it, and it, you know, it, it grows, and it births something. And I'm walking, I'm doing my bushwalk, prayer walk, and it's still in me, man. I'm going, oh, bummer. I should have quoted that scripture. I should have retweeted it. But I didn't. But I found it. I managed to find it. And, uh, and, and so this word, this sermon comes from one word. This sermon comes from one scripture. which, And then I sort of backtrack on it. And then I got to the place where I, I sort of started. So... Matthew 4, 8 says this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Who did we worship this morning, folks? Who did we worship? Amen. Matthew 4, 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we've got this thing happening here. Satan offers the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor of these kingdoms. But Satan, I love this commentary, Satan didn't show Jesus all the sin in society. He showed him the kingdoms and all the splendor. You know what I mean? But Jesus had come to save the world from sin. So Satan is trying to you know, diversify the exclusiveness of worship to God. He's saying, no, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do that cross. You can be a Messiah. You can be a, a Messiah. Don't go to the cross, but you need to worship me. You need to bow your knee to me. And you can be in charge of all these kingdoms. By the way, they have got sin in them. Sin in them. They, they are not just all splendor. They have got sin in them. And Jesus says, no. No, thanks. No, this has to be done right I've got to go to the cross. I've got to pay for sin. And the exclusiveness of worship belongs to God, to, to me eventually. Amen. And so Satan sort of tried to introduce idolatry in, in, a, in a very depraved way. Depriving exclusive claim to worship, of course. And then uh, I love this statement, Matthew 4.11. Then the devil left him. I love this. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So here it is here. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Imagine that. Wouldn't you love that? You resist the devil and then the angels come and it's like you, you, you go back into your ring, man, and the, you know, the manager and the, they give you the water and, the, you know, and they're looking at your eye and, yeah, and the angels are fixing you up and you know, you're sparred with the devil. You, you, who's, who's been sparring with the devil of life? Who's had a few rounds with the devil? You know, Julie has spar. I don't know how ladies fight. You know, no, they don't. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. No, that's right. No, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, I, mean, I could see Julie doing some kung fu, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know what Julie would do. I think she just would, I sh I think she just would give them the eye. She would just say, in Jesus' name, bow your knee, devil. Yes. Oh, you use a sword. The sword of the Lord. Yeah, right. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Just... And so after you've won that battle, you're back into the corner and the devil retreats. He's down. But you, 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 you come to your corner and you get reprieved, refreshed, revived. 
and angels. And I love that. I've just got some imagery. 4.17. From that time on, these are some major statements that I want to bring. Uh, I want to get to the scripture that God gave me, but I want to, I want to build something. Matthew 4.17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. So out of that situation, out of the temptation, out of that, out of that, 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 that big temptation where, where Satan came at him, we have this now first message, this powerful message that he, that he speaks that really is his number one message. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. I think that's what's happening right now, guys. I think it's time to repent. What, what's repent mean? Just cry your eyes out, get emotional. No, it's time to change your mind. It's time to turn. It's time to do 180. It's time to give it up for Jesus and lose some stuff and begin to walk towards him. That's what repent means. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, is near. The kingdom of heaven in another version. And then I've got this other great statement, Matthew 4:19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Make you fishers of men. I mean, this is a major statement. Um, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's a huge statement. That really means this is my number one purpose on the planet. I need people to follow me, to become church builders, lifesavers, healers, people that can stand and be fishers of men, meaning retrieve men and women, families, boys, girls, young, old, humanity, retrieve them from a lost situation and bring them into the light, bring them into salvation, bring them into the kingdom. Do you know what I'm saying? What, um, this is the main purpose of our God right now, that the planet is in a crisis of, of humanity turning their back on God, and saying, we're autonomous from you, God. We live independently from you, God. We don't need you, God. My, 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 my uh, security, my sustaining is all from the things I have in place. And we know that that's not going to last. And repenting is turning and saying to God, God, actually, I need you. I'm nothing without you. Man, everything I have, you gave to me anyhow. Uh, God, yes, thank you for the wife. Yes, thank you for the children. Thank you for the home. Thank you for my church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, God, for the joy I have. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my mother and father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so that is the number one huge statement that God says. Follow me. And he's still saying that now, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Who's, who wants to be that person? Who wants to be that person? Who wants to be that person? That, that Yeah, 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 that's great. I've got some people that... Um, Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. I love this stuff. I would follow him too if this was happening around this man's life. Healing every disease and sickness among the peoples. Of, co of course, large crowds began to follow him because this was happening. And um, 
And then he began to ascend up this mountain. And then we come to this um, Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew, is it Matthew chapter 5, verse 1? Let's quickly go there. These are the Beatitudes. This is what governs or should govern society. These sort of, this preach is the best preach of all time. Who knows that? This is, the, this is the best sermon of all time. These are the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes that we should have. And, and you can go into the Old Testament and, and you can talk about something like um, how even like Moses, how he governed the community. His community was through these type of attitudes. And then he preaches this. He goes up to the mountain. Would you, okay, you followed him down here. But, you know, you, okay, say he was in Wyong Tugger and you followed him around. You went here, you went to that church, you went to the, yeah. But now he, he wants to go to the Watikans. And, and he wants to go up to the Watikans. So would you follow him to the Watikans? You know, because you're a busy person, man. You've got a job, you've you got meals to make, you've got a baked dinner happening. Um, you know, you've got a career. Andrew's got a work to do and we've got work to do and, and we're a busy life. So there, there's a dilemma there. Some said, no, I'm too busy, I can't go. But then some said, no, man. Guys like Garth, guys like Luke, guys like Andrew and Dan said, no, I'm going, man. I've got to ring up the boss, man. I've got to go with Jesus, man. I've got to get a day off. And, and so they went up to the mountain and he preaches this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Who wants to see God? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's preaching this stuff. And, and, and people are just going, man, we've never heard such things. And then he talks about the fulfillment of the law, Matthew 5, 17. I'm just hoping you're following your Bibles here. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. Matthew 5.19, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will also be called least in the kingdom. I don't want to be called least. Listen, I don't want to break the commandments. I want to honor the Sabbath. I'll, I'll get back to that one in a moment. But whoever practices and teaches those commandments uh, will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So good. I'm on the right track here. I'm going to get blessed. And he goes on. He's on a roll. He's still up this mountain. And, he, and, he, and then if you look, if you continually look, you can see subheadings as you go through. He talks about murder. He talks about adultery. He talks about what divorce means. He talks about making an oath. Making an oath. Even saying, I'll give $10,000 to the building fund. And then you don't. Phil Pringle talks about that. I've heard him say, you made an oath. You've got to stay, stay with it. You said that you were going to give it. So look, it's up to you. But actually, Jesus preached on oaths. It's a, it's a big big call. Uh, It does challenge the people, but it's so true because Jesus right there talks about making an oath. And he talks about an eye for an eye. Just keep looking through the chapter. He talks about loving your enemies, loving your enemies. And then chapter uh, Matthew 6, 1, he talks about giving to the needy beyond. These guys are talking to me straight up here about needs in their own community, in the Indian community, where the government's clamping down and stopping them, helping the underprivileged, and they need support from maybe us, us Westerners who are blessed and are resourceful, and they're saying, we're doing a good job, don't get us wrong, we're doing great, but uh, actually uh, some support, some prayer, uh, some love, some, some, some finances, that would be great. So, and that's what Jesus talked about. 
Look into places like India, which is absolutely going off at the moment with God intervening and, and, and churches are bubbling up and, and, and the government's getting worried and the Hindus are getting worried. They're going, hang on, hang on. A few little churches here was all right, but now we've got churches springing up all over the place and C3's right in there. Is that right, Garth? You were there last week. 15 new churches in India. 15 new churches for C3 alone in India. Come on, guys, let's open our eyes. God is heaven-bent, not hell-bent, heaven-bent on reaching the lost. He's accelerating his plans right now. It's not time to live in your little house with your picket fence and bigger, buy a big TV and a bigger big TV. I saw, man, I went on a bushwalk. I walked by my neighbor. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. But I saw a TV in his lounge room, man. It was the size of the drive-ins I used to go to. It was big. I was freaked out. I saw these big figures moving in his house. And it was on this big plasma TV. It was huge, man. And I mean, how much... Anyway, and Jesus is talking about beyond, giving to the needy. Then he talks about prayer. Can you see that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Say that right now. Your will be done. Why is prayer so important? Because nothing happens without prayer. Wyong's not going to be saved. Tugra's not going to be blessed. You're not going to be blessed. I'm not going to be blessed without prayer. Say prayer. Prayer is the key. That's the currency of heaven. prayer that's why we had 10 days of prayer prayer and the devil's trying to rob us of prayer the devil's trying to push back on us on prayer we got to pray guys 24 7 now listen just a little pastoral thing first thing in the morning pray, pray in the shower what a better thing to do when you grab your soap begin to pray thank you lord just pray pray get an iphone get something where you can put worship music in your ears I'm addicted to it now. I love it because I walk around. I go to Westfields. I, I, I go everywhere with my, with my earplugs in. You know what I mean? And I'm, I mean, I'm worshiping God. I'm standing in the glory. I'm ready to act for God. I'm hearing God. I'm knowing God. I'm loving God. I'm living in the experience of being a God person. Do you know what I mean? Because I've got my worship music in. I'm not listening to some foreign music. Bam, 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 bam. Baby, baby, baby. Man, Julie, I can stand in the clothes shop now and put my worship music on, Jesus culture, and, you know, and I'm standing there. I'm in the glory. People are looking at me going, what's he on, man? Give me a, can I have a little, oh, wow. I don't have to walk through this world and bend my knee to it. I I can stand and worshipfully walk my life out. I can. There's a plug for iPhone. (laughs) <laughs> he talks about money, money. What a great giving message, Garth. But before that, he talked about fasting. Those people who fasted, praise God. Listen to me. Fasting is the number one tool and discipline that will move you and your flesh to bow its knee. If you're having trouble with your life and seeking God and knowing God and finding God and loving God and shifting your life towards true north, fast. Fast one day, three days, fast 10 days. I came off a 14-day fast on juice and water. You won't die. It's okay. Actually, you'll get clear-minded. You get focused. You see God. You love God. You're in the Spirit. You're making great decisions. You can see life for all it's worth. Rather than worrying about where you're going to buy the next pizza from and wondering how you know, you're going to get a bigger TV, 
man, you're just in the spirit, man. You're just in the spirit when you're fasting. And that's another thing the enemy's taken from the church. Fasting. Is that cool? Am I, am I, do, am I doing all right? Uh-uh. Prayer. He talks about money. Matthew 6.20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And you know the scripture. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. You cannot bow your knee to money and try and bow your knee to God. You need to give to God what is His so that you can live your life in God. You cannot, you cannot bow your knee to the spirit of mammon, materialism. You cannot do it. You've got to, you've got to pick your whole life up off the floor of, of being bowed down to the world. You've got to pick your whole life up. You've got to turn it around and say, Jesus, sorry, forgive me. I repent. I bow my knee to you. And that is everything. Everything that you are, that you am, that you will be is in him. Okay, I'm nearly there. It's okay. I'm building the case. No one can serve two masters. Matthew 6.24. Then he says, do not worry. Matthew 6.34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't bow your knee to fear. Guys, don't bow your knee to fear. Knee to fear. For I am with you, it says in Isaiah 43 verse 1. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are God's. Don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about stuff. Don't, oh, I'm worried about if I give to the church, if I give to beyond, if I give, you know, so I bow my knee to the spirit of mammon. No, God, you, you gave it to me. You gave, you will give me more anyway. You know, as I give, the Bible says, it shall be given to me, pressed down, shaken together. As I give to you, so I bow my knee to God. He's my provider. So he's laying some serious stuff down here. Can you see that? Matthew 7, 1. Okay, nearly there. Judging others, talking about a critical spirit. Talking about a critical spirit. Don't talk about anyone. Don't talk about any other church. Don't judge anyone. Don't speak about anyone. Don't do it because it'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. One of the key things as a Christian that you need to master is your tongue, is your mouth. Once you can do that, you are a leader in God's church. If you can do it even better than that and live a life exemplary to Christ and live in holiness, then you become a minister in God. Because one of the key things that God tests us on is what we speak and what we say about things and people. So he talked about that. I love that. And then he talks about asking and seeking, and that means have faith in God, asking and seeking and knocking. And, of course, we know God's good response. He responds to his children in faith. He talks about the narrow and wide gates. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road. Now, my, the imagery, just right there, narrow is the gate to heaven, to God. It's like a highway, but broad is this way. Broad is this way that leads to all sorts of wonderful stuff. I mean, there's so much to offer in life. There's so much the world's beckoning us with. We could easily go this way. We could go that way. But there's a narrow road. There's a highway that you need to keep your life on. So he talks about that. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. He talks about a tree and its fruit. And he says, you will recognize them by their fruit. A good tree, good tree, good fruit. 
bad tree, bad fruit. If you want to weigh something up, if you want to weigh something up, just look at the fruit in in that situation's life, that person's life. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, well, I'm getting there, I'm nearly there now. Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And he talks about, and then the wise and foolish builders, which was what is one of my great uh, scriptures I love. And he talks about building your life on the rock, the rock of revelation. Um, he talk, you know, not, not, being, not building it on quick fix, philosophies of man, vain imaginations. Oh, I thought God said. People say, oh, God spoke to me and now I'm going down. Yeah, right, okay. So you don't care what we think? We've been sort of pressed up against God. We've been in the throne room. We've been praying. Uh, You know, we we get paid to actually live in the presence of God. But you're not interested in what we have to say, the senior ministers uh, of C3 Tagra. Okay, that's cool. You've heard God. You've been there. And and some people get some wild stuff and they end up. (laughs) They end up in... I've seen marriages collapse when they've left churches. Oh, we just feel called to go somewhere. And, and then two weeks later, we hear, oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Oh, she met someone on the internet and didn't, you know, hang on. No, they're all good when they're in the church. It was all happening. Three weeks later, now we got, you know, rubbish. Um, Matthew 8, 1. Please turn there. This is it. Okay, I'm done. I just, I just thought I'd just give you some backdrop. And, and by the way, He's been up a mountain preaching this stuff. These are serious messages. This is, this is, that was the most serious. All that stuff I just said, guys, are the most serious, truthful, revelatory matters that we need to subscribe to and understand. So he's coming down the mountain now. He said, wow. You know, whew, gee whiz. What a message. People are just staggered. Our society is literally hinged off the Beatitudes. Um, you know, the golden rule is, is in there and everything. But um, he comes down off the mountain and he comes down out of, out of that high ground and he comes to the flats and something happens. Here it is. Matthew 8 verse 1. When he came down from the mountain side, large crowds followed him, still followed him. They're still not letting go now, man. This guy's awesome. Have you, have you heard such great stuff? Man? Oh, forget Tuesday going to work. Wednesday? Oh, no, I'm taking my annual leave, man. I'm going to follow this guy. He said, follow. I'm going to follow him. When he came down from the mountainside after preaching the Beatitudes and preaching those great truths, large crowds followed him. Verse 2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Matthew 8, 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. This leper recognized Jesus had authority and power. He knew it. He knew straight up, Jesus, you can do it if you want. And then I looked at this kneeling word. I looked at the the kneeling word and in the Greek... In the Greek, kneeling is, is derived from the word worship. 
It's a verb. Actually, kneeling is a verb. <laughs> kneeling is a verb. And, and, and so I, I started to look at this. Okay, kneeling is worship. Worship is kneeling. So I started to look and ponder in some of the scriptures. Matthew 2.2. 2. And I'll just read you a couple and ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Matthew 2.8. Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. This is the kneeling and worship. So the leper that knelt is the same word worship in these scriptures. Uh, Matthew 2.11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Matthew 4.9, all this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. See, no, don't, don't do that. Satan's saying, worship me. Matthew 8.2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Matthew 9, 18, when he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Matthew 14, 33, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Matthew 15, 25, the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. Matthew 20, 20, then the mother of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Oh, come, come up here, Luke. I, I, I love this imagery. I love this imagery. I'll say it again. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Okay, you're Jesus. I'm coming to you, Jesus. And literally came to him, clasped the behind of his heels like that and went like that. I said, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Lord God. You're the, you're the Messiah. Dear God, and bowed. I just love that imagery. See, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a lay-down, radical lover of God. When I gave my life, thanks, Luke. When I gave my life to God, I didn't say, oh, what a great teacher. I was like the leper. I said, man, that's beyond the Beatitudes. Now, this guy... This guy is, this guy is the messenger of hope, the light of the world. This is the Messiah, the promised one. This is the King of glory. This is the Prince of peace. If it is your will, dear God, you can heal me. You can translate me to heaven right now. You can do anything you want. And that leper bowed his knee in honor and reverence and worship. Kneeling is worship. That's why sometimes on the front, when worship is going off, I tend to do it. I tend to, I just think there's no better thing to do sometimes than bend the knee and worship God. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed because I'm on the front row. But you can do it. I've seen people do it in the, in the aisles. You can, you can do it if you want. You can come down. We let people come down and kneel. You can do that. You're allowed to do that. But on the front, sometimes as the senior minister, because I think if the senior minister can worship and kneel and worship God like that, 
What could it do for all the people? What statement does that make for people? So we're talking about worship. I'm nearly done. Matthew 28, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. Say some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, John, Gospel of John 20, verse 24, talks about a doubting guy, doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. John 20, 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And I think that's what God's saying to the church. Stop doubting and believe. To some of you people right now, stop doubting and believe and bow your knee to Jesus. 20 verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I love this, and Julie quotes this one a little bit. Radical lay-down lover of God. And I'm done. Radical lay-down lover of God. Listen, guys, when I gave my life to the Lord, okay, here's a couple of things I did. And I bowed my knee because I had bowed my knee to all sorts of stuff in the world. One of them was rock music. And I had about 700 albums. I used to go to every single concert there was. Every single concert. And I knew when I got saved, truly, I, had, I used to go into Sydney and get the import albums and I studied it like a Bible. I used to get the two English um, music magazines, Melody Maker, New Musical Express. And I used to study it. And I was infatuated with, with rock stars and music and, uh, and stuff. You know what I mean? But Jesus, God, when I bent my knee, this is the way I always like to face towards True North. When I bowed my knee and gave, gave my life to the Lord, not only did I change my mind, not only did I change my way of thinking, not only did I do a 180, because that's what repentance is, by the way. It's not shedding crocodile tears and, say, and then just living your old life again. No, it's actually turning and living a whole different lifestyle. So when I turned, I literally lost 95% of my friends lost 95% of the friends not because I wanted to but they didn't enjoy the lifestyle of me now not doing all that crazy stuff and I used to go to church every Sunday because the Bible says the Sunday is a Sabbath day and that's one of the key things God had me believe and Julie and I that Sunday was God's day God's day don't, don't forsake the gathering of the saints but so I gave all those albums away <laughs> Gave them away. Gave them away. And I stopped going to rock concerts. And I stopped doing this. And I stopped doing that. And I stopped saying this. And I stopped saying that. And I started to live with a sense that God was for me, with me, around me, His presence. And I started to live my life with my knee bent down in worship to God. 
So when I went to church, I found myself in worship services lifting my hands to prove almost faith without deeds is dead. Lifting the hands does something to the spirit. Your spirit is almost saying, prove it. Lift your hands. I remember the big challenge I had when Julie was asked to do an outreach in Memorial Park, Liverpool, and we're just new Christians, been in the church a month. Julie was a singer, John McMartin, now biggest, fourth biggest church in the state, Liverpool Christian Life Centre, and, and he did, was doing an outreach like he always used to do. We went into the park and had the band happening. We had the guitarist from the Lime Spiders, who was one of the, one of the pub bands at that time who got radically saved. We had the bass player from the song, Oh Happy Day. He was an international drug courier. He was a black guy. He was an international drug courier from America to Hawaii. He got radically saved. He was in our church. He was on base. And Julie was the worship leader. These are radical days, man. 1985, people were just getting radically saved. And Julia was worshipping. And then everyone's hands started going. This is what these Christians do, is their hands go. And I remember thinking, because I'm streetwise, I've been living with this whole life contextualized by what people thought and my friends and that. And we're in the broad daylight in public and people are lifting their hands. And I got Julie in the pram and, uh, and I'm looking around and I'm, you know... Poor kid, she needs a little bit of care. Yeah, I can't lift my hands. Look, I'm a dad. No. And then the Lord said to me, no, would you worship me in in public? Would you? Why won't you? Would you? And so my hands, I know, bang, the breakthrough came right there. I began to lift my hands to the Lord. So my life changed. My heart changed. My mind changed. My whole perspective of life changed. And... And that's how we've lived our life. The, the other thing I wanted to say to you, that the Sabbath, the day, the day of the Lord, is absolutely, absolutely... See, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. And, and one of the commandments is to honor the Sabbath. And I'm finding more and more people just treating the day of the Lord as just whatever. But you know what? On a Sunday, you can reconcile your life in peace, in God, love him forget all the music and literally i didn't listen to any rock music for 20 years i didn't have any appreciation of it anymore just the appetite for it went i got all nerdy i mean i just got so nerdy the people that i used to look at in my heyday when i had the best jeans and the great hair and i used to look at these people and go oh wow i'm never mixed with those people i'd actually become one of those people and i'd become very straight the way i dress I got really, really concerned about wearing tight jeans. I didn't, didn't want to draw attention to myself. I went all through some of the things we did in the 80s anyway. And um, so I, I dressed, you know, with, with conservative pants. And I became a conservative. <laughs> Not like now. Uh, I do wear jeans and stuff. But that's what God did to me. When I bowed my knee, that's the stuff I had to lose. Do you know what I mean? When I bowed my knee, that's the stuff I had to lose. I don't know what you have to lose, but I just want to say this lastly. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Let's give it up for him right now. Let's give it up for the Lord. Let's all stand. God bless you. Awesome. Father, we stand in your presence. We love you. We bow our knee to you just like that leper did. And that leper says, you can heal me. God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. God wants to absolutely be your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, you're in the house and you've just been sort of pushing back on God, you haven't bowed your knee to Him, 
I'm not talking about getting religious, but I'm certainly talking about giving your whole life to Him and saying, God, I'm putting you in control. I'm allowing you to be Lord of all my intentions, all my attitudes, all my heart, all my soul. Lord, you're the Lord God. Let's do that. Let's lift our hands right now. We lift you up and declare you Lord of the house, Lord of this church. We bow before you. We worship you. We love you with all our hearts, dear God, right now. We will not bow our knee to the devil. We will not bow our knee to the spirit of mammon. We will not bow our knee to any other idol. We will not. We will only bow our knee. And the Bible says every tongue will confess and every mouth will confess and every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is the Lord. No doubting, guys. No doubting. No unbelief in this church anymore. Jesus is Lord. Let's worship Him for a while here. Come on.